0: Hello and welcome to episode 54 of Prosperity by the Pint. I'm your host, Brace Carter. I am a self proclaimed millennial money expert and I have the designations to back it up. This is the podcast where we talk about money investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. Cold beer of the week is from Haymarket Beer Company. It is called their Speakers Wagon and it is a German style Pilsner and it's out of Chicago, Illinois, and apparently. Uh, Brid- Bridham, uh, Michigan. It's 5% alcohol, German style Pilsner. Let's see how we like it. I'm actually, uh, normally I don't drink the full beard during an episode, but I am filming this on March 11th and we're in the midst of a market correction. So cheers. I might drink it all. That is, uh that's really good. Oh, I don't like the aftertaste, but up front, it is light and refreshing. Today's episode is about the anatomy of a market crash, part one. This is going to be a two-parter. There's a lot to cover. There's a lot of interesting stuff to cover, and it's super relevant in light of what's going on. So, as I mentioned, it is March 11th, the date that I am filming this. I'm not sure the date that it's going to go live, but about a week and a half from now. On March 9th, which was Monday... Four minutes into market trading, market circuit breakers flipped. And market circuit breakers are a part of the stock exchanges that cause trading to halt. This was first implemented during the Reagan administration or the Reagan administration proposed it after Black Monday, which was in October of 1987, and the Dow crashed something like 22% in a single day. So they said, and a lot of that was actually due to programmatic uh, algorithmic computerized trading, which was really new at the time. And so uh, what, what, what we're looking at is a scenario where In the middle of the day or early in the day, when markets are trading and markets open, it's analyzing information as soon as it can come in. And people start to sell or buy based on that information. Well, overnight on Monday, uh, it it would have been Sunday night, essentially Saudi Arabia and Russia, along with OPEC, decided to engage in an oil price war, causing the price of oil to collapse overnight. Now... Normally, that's a good thing for you and I. Oil prices being low means you know we don't have to pay nearly as much as the pump. That that in theory is a good thing. But there's an enormous amount of jobs in the world that are tied to the oil industry, particularly in the U.S. with the development of the shale industry, oil and natural gas. And anything basically, when oil is below forty, forty-five dollars a barrel, U.S. oil manufacturers that that drill here are are not profitable because the cost of our oil to refine is significantly more involved than, for instance, Saudi Arabia's oil. Theirs is, I don't know, I'm not an expert on this, but it's a purer, richer oil that is requires less refining, so therefore it's lower cost. That is to say that when oil drops below 40 $45 a barrel, it becomes very bad for the oil industry. Now, if you think about that, not only are those jobs it, it, Impacted. But you have the transportation of that oil that is then impacted. You also have banks and financial institutions, investors that have loaned money to these oil, you know, rigs and and manufacturers and refineries. And so you start to see the snowball effect. So that was the concern on Monday. This is on top of the fact that we're in the midst of this coronavirus uh, crisis which had caused markets to plummet to begin with, right? So we were down something like 14 15% going into Monday. Actually, I think it was only 12 or 13%, but then markets crashed. Um, and so the circuit breakers kicked in on Monday morning, four minutes into trading. So it was like 9.33, 9.34 in the morning. The New York Stock Exchange circuit breaker, first of three broke. Uh, and the second two, thankfully, did not get broken. So the first one is at... 7% down. When markets hit 7% down, circuit breaker kicks in for 15 minutes there's a pause on trading. That's what happened and it worked. It worked because markets closed only a little bit lower than 7% and what this does is it allows everyday investors as well as the big institutions to kind of take a pause, sit back and say what is going on, right? Analyze the information, realize that prices become dislocated you'll hear that term a lot if you listen to financial media prices become dislocated from the value of the companies that's called price dislocation and so if for instance i'm not, i'm just going to use amazon because they're a big well-known company that uh, has tremendous uh, uh businesses across different spectrums right if they went down by 50 percent in a blink of an eye are they worth 50 percent less than what they were before do they lose their cash do they lose their sales Likely not, right? So their price has become dislocated from the value. This can happen on the upside too, like the dot-com bubble. You had companies that have never made a dollar that just went public with dot-com in their name, and their price was very dislocated from their very low value, but the price was very high. So that is to say on Monday, the first circuit breaker broke. The second circuit breaker is at 13%. So if the market had went down, pauses for 15 minutes, at seven percent. At if it went down another six percent uh, down to 13, it would have paused for another 15 minutes. And if it would have went down to 20 percent, it would have ceased trading for the day. So three circuit breakers, seven, 13, and 20 percent. And we broke to the first one on uh, Monday. Now, it is now the 11th. Markets were up yesterday markets are down today. This is what's happening. We're in a we're in what's called a market correction. So when I say the anatomy of a market crash, what I want to dive into today, which I didn't actually plan on going into the circuit breakers, but I'm glad I did because I think it's valuable information. I think it's actually really interesting what happened, especially since it worked. In my opinion, it worked. A crash, a market crash, <clears throat> is really loosely defined term. So if we look at it. There are firmly denied, uh, defined terms. So a correction is when the market goes 10% down from its all-time high. That's a correction. A bear market is 20% down from its all-time high. A 5% down is often called a pullback. Okay, it's not a correction. So it depends on who you are, but bear market and correction are very clearly defined. A pullback 5%. Any one of those I would say is a crash, not 5%, but 10 to 20% is a crash. So... I do want to define something here real quick with a bear market. So people say that we're an 11-year bull market, right? Since 2009, essentially, the market has gone up and not um, not fallen more than 20% from its previous all-time highs. So that's that's the definition of a bull market. A bull market is markets continue to go up, they can go down, but as long as they don't pull 20% off of their previous all-time highs, it doesn't become a bear. So a bull is a bull until it goes 20 percent down off the previous all-time highs. So in 2009 and it was it, this is what is crazy coincidental. The circuit breakers were March 9th that was Monday. The market the crash of 2008 2009 ended March 9th of 2009. So the circuit breakers flipped flipped March 9th of 2020. The, the, the crash, the financial crisis in terms of how the stock market performed ended March 9th, exactly 11 years ago. Crazy to think of. So a bull market does not actually start. And so my point of saying this is people say we're 11 years into a bull market. We are, in fact, not 11 years into a bull market because a bull market does not begin until the market recoups its previous high. So what had happened leading up to the crash of 08 and, and, and 09 is we hit an all-time high in the S&P 500 of 1565 in October of 2007. It crashed, it crashed, and the crash stop stopped on March 9th of 09. We did not reclaim 1565 on the S&P 500 until 2013. So the bull market did not start in 2009, even though markets have gone up since then, nearly every year. We started the bull market, the current bull market in 2013. So it's seven years old. It's not 11 years old. I know big difference there, but I wanted to make that happen, make that clear. So just to recap, a correction is down 10%. A bear is down 20% from all time highs. A a correction happens about one time a year. So um, about once every year, we get a 10% pullback. That's not a big deal, but we do get 10% a year. Uh, uh, 10% off all-time highs about once a year. Recessions and bear markets. Now, this is where there's, I I guess, some confusion. Recessions and bear markets are closely related. They're correlated, if you will. So seven out of the last 11 bear markets preceded or directly followed a recession. That's 63% of the time. So 63% of the time that we have a bear market, we either are having or will have or just got done with a recession, 63% of the time. Now, a bear market is almost a self-fulfilling f- um, prophecy, if you will, right? I need a beer break. I spent most of the last uh, couple of weeks, I, you know, I've been writing a lot, emailing clients and on the phone a lot. I'm not terribly worried about markets, but I want clients to be comfortable with with where they are. So I'm just trying to keep people informed, hence the drinking today. Seven out of the last uh, 11 bear markets preceded or uh, were followed by a recession, right? So 63%. Now, the self-fulfilling prophecy aspect of this is quite simply this, roughly... of the wealth is held by roughly 30% of individuals and the vast majority of that is held in two things, stock market and real estate. And so if the stock market is going down by 20% and that 30% of the population just got 20% poorer, that can make a recession actually happen. So markets can actually influence the outcome of a recession. Not always a recession leading to a bear market, but a bear market can sometimes lead to a recession. So you know, just to recap, a couple of statistics. Uh, a, a, you know, um, a five percent decline happens on average about three times a year. It usually lasts about forty-six days. A ten percent decline happens about once a year. Uh, it lasts about one hundred and seventeen days. A fifteen percent correction or more happens about once every three years, and a twenty percent correction, uh, which is a bear market, happens on average about once every six years, and it lasts on average four hundred and twenty-five days. So, what causes these bear markets, these these black swan events, almost if you want to. Well, each time can be a little bit different, right? So there is no blueprint for a bear market. There is one thing that I will say is every time it said uh, investors will feel this because this is our this is ingrained in our human nature. Think about this for a second. Four hundred years ago, what was your biggest concern if you were alive? What, your great 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 grandparents, four or five hundred years ago. It was probably not to die of infection at a young age, putting food on the table and staying warm, like reasonable things—food and shelter, right? If we go back even a little bit further than that, think a thousand years ago, right? Or even further than that, fifteen hundred years ago, the literacy rate—I don't know exactly what it was, but I—I I, I believe I read a statistics recently that it was below twenty percent four hundred years ago. So I would believe that literacy rate below twenty uh, percent. So. Ingrained in our human nature is this fight or flight concept, right, where we're based around survival. And so very complex topics like investments and capital asset pricing models and interests and dividends and the value of our home versus the mortgage rate we're playing. These things are relatively new in construct of human history, right? What is old and ingrained into our DNA is fight or flight, survival. And so when we feel threatened, which it is normal to feel threatened and afraid when we see the account value of our investments go down, that is completely normal, fight or flight can kick in. And so it's not necessarily, you turn from a rational person that deep thinks things and goes through step by step into your your our ancestors that have uh, far greater concerns than the value of their brokerage account which is why every single market crash bear market feels different this time it feels different cuz you don't remember how bad it felt last time and so that's where i'm looking at it and saying every cause behind a bear market could be different but the feeling is often the same and every time people say it feels different this time. I don't know about this one. it could be the big one. There's been a lot of big ones. And guess what? the world only ends once. If the really really big one happens, you got bigger problems than the value of your brokerage account. That may not make you feel comfortable today but just think about that the world does only end once. So each time can be different, right the causes. So I want to like take a look back at the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine bear markets we have had in modern financial history since essentially the Great Depression. So in 1929 to 1932, we had the Great Depression. Uh, markets were overvalued uh, coming off of you know the roaring 20s, and financial institutions were on shaky ground. Um, there wasn't really a strong federal financial system. FDIC wasn't really in existence. And so uh, the government actually ended up making this crash exasperated. They made it far worse than it needed to be. Partly because of policy so the policy at the time was to increase taxes and decrease government spending. That's the exact opposite you're supposed to do during a recession during a recession in order to float the economy what you're supposed to do is lower taxes and raise spending which eventually FDR came in and did or increase uh, spending and, and increase social programs which helped get us through the Great Depression. but 1929 to 1932 that was the that was that bear market and the total loss was is by far by far the worst out of all of these bear markets. And that was an 86% loss. Crazy to think about. Uh, From 1946 to 1949, we had uh, a long bear market there. And that was the post-World War II crash. Um, And basically it was involved... What happened was, post World War II, the troops came home. There's a huge surge in demand, and that inflated asset prices. There was an inventory stockpile. And then, when people stopped buying stuff all of a sudden with the surge and started saving money, there was a crash. And that was a 29.6% loss. From 1961 to 1962, this one is what I call an, an, um, an event driven bear market. So, this is a very specific event revolving around this one which is the Bay of Pigs and the Cuban Missile Crisis. So, uh, you know, there's heightened fears over the Cold War, and we had JFK and and, and the Cuban Missile Crisis, so the whole deal, and that was a 28% loss. Um, inflation and civil rest from 1968 to 1970, this is uh, you had assassinations, you had protests over Vietnam, um, you had a lot of crazy things going on in the world, and high, super high inflation, 36.1% loss. 1973 to 1974 I didn't know anything about the first part of this one I learned about this during research for this I knew about the oil embargo the Arab oil embargo but there was the Israel Yam Kippur War never heard about it but apparently it has something to do with the Arab oil embargo so that was 1973 to 1974 I do you know I don't I don't remember but I remember reading and seeing videos about uh, lines at the pump and people carrying gas cans in to get full, get, get their fuel and and so there was a massive shortage there. That was a forty eight percent loss. Crazy to think we have a different problem now. We have more fuel capacity than we uh, than we need, so there's more supply than demand, which caused prices to plummet. Right um, from nineteen eighty 1980 to nineteen eighty two, we had years and years of really high inflation. Uh, During the end of the Carter administration, this actually this crash ended up being one of the reasons that led to Reagan being elected. But the Fed raised interest rates in 19 uh, during this crash to 20 percent. Uh, nearly 20% it caused tra- uh, stagflation and eventually 27% loss in that market. 1987, this was a super short one. Uh, we had the computerized trading and there was fears over currency devaluations. Loss of 33%. 2000 to 2002, bursting the dot-com bubble. I've talked about that several times. 49% loss. Oh seven to 09, the financial crisis and the bursting the dot-com bubble. 56% loss. This adds up to about once every 10 years for over this this time period, which, you know, that's bear market. That's once every 10 years, as opposed to a just a correction, garden variety correction at 10 percent, which is about once every year. So what I'm saying here is you heard all those reasons that I listed for all those different bear markets, those different um, uh, crashes. All of them were very different. And guess what? We're still here. The market has still done enormously well. It's been the, one of the best ways to accumulate wealth over a long period of time. And I'm telling you that in the middle of a correction. So we reached, uh, it was like 19.88% down at the low on Monday. Not quite bare. And I'm going to get more on that in a minute, but it's, it's shocking how often we get right up to the precipitous of 20% but don't actually get to it. And so there's something fundamental in the market there, maybe it's technical, I don't know, where it's almost got a little bit of resistance. The market doesn't want to quite go into that bear territory. So corrections, crashes, they're very, very common. We've had corrections of 10%, but smaller than 20% in many years. We had it in 2000, 2003, 2010, 2011, 2015, 2016, two in 2018, and one so far in 2020. That is a lot of times where we've lost between 10 and not quite 20%. So that happens very often. That's that resistance level that I was talking about. So, you know, they are very common. Um, I mean, in in 11 of the last 20 years, we've had pullbacks of 10% or more. Uh, and, and not all the time. Like I said, very, you know, in the last 10 years, we've had several, several, and they don't always lead to that bear market territory. And so what I wanted to kind of convey to you in this episode is, one, what's happening with a market crash? It's often caused by a variety of things, no single identifier, after a long-time surge in asset prices where things become dislocated to the high level. Think of the dot-com bubble, how those companies were overvalued. It's entirely possible that this time, that this market crash, companies are dislocated but not fully from from their value, right? So we've had a couple of really good years in a row. Well, 16 and 17 were good years. 18 was a step back. 19 was a phenomenal year. And here in 2020 started out pretty darn good too before we've stepped back all over the concerns over the coronavirus, which I'm not gonna get into the specifics on that because I'm not an epidemiologist and good job nailing that word. I had to practice that a lot today, guys. I do like this beer. It is the the point of it is we don't know how that's going to shake out. It's very unlikely that this is the one that just ends markets, right? Because world only ends once. And and but what I'm am looking at is a scenario where it's going to have an economic impact. I just know that markets tend to get ahead of themselves, so they're they're planning in a worst case scenario, right? Add to that the simple fact that oil has has crashed and is now starting to stabilize a little bit. All of these things lead me to believe that this isn't any different than any of the previous crashes. We're going to see a rebound. And so the anatomy of a crash is denial, it is fear, it is recovery, it is forgetfulness. Because you forget how bad it was, you forget the feelings that you had. And this time is likely no different than the others. So in the next episode, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just going to kind of dive into why you should stay put when there's a market crash why you should maybe even think about buying more why timing a market crash when you're going to get in and out is nearly impossible i've talked about market timing before but i'm really going to dive into some of the specifics around market timing with crashes i'm going to talk about what bull markets have done in comparison to bear markets and then and then i'm going to give you some questions that i want you to ask yourself if you're feeling fearful Um, and this, this might help it put you in perspective so you don't do anything rash during this, this period of time. That's this episode of Prosperity by the Pine. Cheers. We'll catch you next time. The topics that I discuss in this podcast are meant to be general information and educational only. I'm not giving you specific advice because I don't know you personally. In order to give you specific advice, you should work with an advisor or someone that can learn your specific situation and give you advice that applies to you. If I talk about a specific security, please keep in mind I'm not recommending that security. And don't forget, investing involves risk. When you invest, there's always the possibility of losing capital which is why you should consult with a qualified, licensed financial advisor prior to investing.